All right, back in Luke. Anyone know what chapter? No one knows. I heard it. Seven, chapter seven. All right, go to chapter seven. Two points. <laughs> I know. Well, don't worry. We're going to be here forever. <laughs> chapter seven. Uh, we're, we're actually reading a large section today, uh, verses 18 through 35. But I want to make sure the spirit is just all over this thing, washing it, everything that we're doing. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We worship you today. I I love those worship songs. I love that we get to get our hearts and our minds, our bodies, everything that we are, just in tune with your spirit. And that's what we're praying right now, that we'd be in tune with your spirit. Lord, wake us up. Wake us up in this area of reading your Bible. Wake us up in this area of singing. Wake us up in the area of movement, Lord. Just that we would move, that we would be physical beings. You created us to move, to dance, to sing, to smile. Lord, you created us to worship you, Lord. Would today be a truly a time of worship and praise in your house. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, verse 18. John's disciples told him all about these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask. So this is John's disciples, and they're going to Jesus. And they're asking Jesus this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John the Baptist, he's in prison, inviting his disciples to go ask Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Verse 20, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus had cured many who had diseases, cured sicknesses, and cured evil spirits. He gave sight to many who were blind. And so he goes back to John's disciples, to these messengers, and this is what he says. He says, go back, report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame, they're walking. (laughs) Those who have leprosy, cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead raised. Good news. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed, verse 23, is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury, they're in palaces. But what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees, the experts in the law, they rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Verse 31, Jesus goes on to say, he keeps on talking, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children, sitting in the marketplace, calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. All right. So much going on in that passage. We're going to focus on the first six verses today. Verse 18 through 23. Would you read this with me out loud together? John's disciples told him about all these things. 
Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you. Sorry, sorry, apologize. I read that wrong. I read that wrong. We'll start in the bold letters. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Amen. Amen. So John, the cousin of Jesus, he has a question. I put it there in bold. It's a pretty serious, I'd say pretty important question. Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Well, what's going on here? As we've walked through the book of Luke, we've actually talked a lot about John the Baptist. If you have your Bible, you're going to be moving around a lot today, and if you have your smartphone, so get it out. We're going to start in John or, or Luke 7, but now we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, an angel appears to his father. Anyone remember John's father's name? Zechariah, absolutely. And he goes, the angel goes to Zechariah to let him know he's going to have a son. And he even tells, you're going to name him John. And this is what the angel says about John. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, verse 13. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. John, he will be a joy, amen, and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is incredible, church. Even before, what? He is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. To make ready, you might want to write this down. John came to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's exactly what John did. If you're in chapter 1, flip a couple more chapters. We're going to go to chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Luke. Luke, uh, or John, John the Baptist, he's out in the Jordan. And Luke 3, verse 3, tells us this is what he was doing in the Jordan. He was preaching a baptism of repentance. Everyone say, repentance. Everyone say, for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Some people started to think, He might be the Messiah, remember? Oh, man, he might be the one who's to come. He's the one that's going to establish God's kingdom. So John has to respond. And he says this, I I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. Who's he talking about there, church? Jesus, absolutely. One uh, more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals, man, I'm not even worthy to untie. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Hallelujah. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. It says, with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. 
But then you keep on reading, and it says, but when John rebuked Herod, the tetrarch, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and we've covered all of this, and all the other evil things he had done, what does Herod do? Herod adds this to them all, and he locks John up in prison. So now John, in chapter 7, where's John? He's in prison. Absolutely. John is in prison, and now he sent his disciples to Jesus. Again, to ask a pretty important, serious question. Jesus, are you the one, or should we expect someone else? Have you ever asked Jesus that kind of question before? You don't have to raise your hands on that. But have you ever had that moment where you're serving him? I mean, you're following hard after him. You're doing everything possible to serve him, showing up early, giving your life for him, reading your Bible every day. And yet it feels like your great reward is to be stuck in prison. You ever felt that way before? Now, now many of us, or maybe any of us, know what it's like to be tossed into prison for our faith. But I think all of us can have that moment in our lives, that feeling that rises up within us that just says, man, I've done all of this for you. I've made so many decisions, so many choices. I've made so many sacrifices for you. And this is what I get. And that's when you get to a place like John where you ask the question, are you the one? Or should we expect somebody else. I love Jesus' response to John. I really want to look at this because there's so many different ways that Jesus could have responded, right, to John's disciples. He could have told them, oh yeah, that's right, John's in prison. Hey, just go tell John, I'm getting him out soon, right? Just get, get ready, I, I'm, I'm coming. Right? Jesus could have declared, yeah, I, of course I'm the one. And I'm going to go rescue John. You know, I am going to prove to all of you, watch what I'm about to do, that I am the one. Instead, what does he say? We read it out loud. Just go back, report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy, they're cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, if I was one of John's disciples, I could see my response kind of being like, what? Did you hear what I asked, Jesus? Like, maybe you misunderstood. Like, literally, John is in prison right now for you, right? Right, because he's been preparing a way for your arrival. And I've been talking to him. He's a little nervous. He's a little anxious. And he's just wondering, Jesus, if you're the one. But if you look a little deeper into Jesus' answer, that's exactly what he's saying. He is the one. To really understand this answer, you've got to go back to Luke 4. I, I get that we're going around, but we've got to do some recapping here. So we're in chapter 7, then we're to chapter 1, jumping up to chapter 3. Now we're going to be in chapter 4. Flip those pages, chapter 4. Now we covered this passage. I'm sure you remember every word of my sermon. It was at the beginning of April. So I probably don't even need to say anything, because you have it all tattooed on your heart. <laughs> no, you don't. You have no clue what I said back then, probably. That was a long time ago. I don't remember it either. Don't worry. But Luke chapter 4, this was, again, early April. Um, But back then, if you remember, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We talk about Luke chapter 4 and what happens in this scene all the time because this is important. It's uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry uh, here on earth. He's baptized by John. He's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Remember all this? He's tempted by the devil. 
But then he goes into Nazareth. He goes into Nazareth, and listen to what happens. Verse 6. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. This is a normal thing that Jesus would do. He stood up, and he read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. He's unrolling it, and he found the place where it is written, verse 18, and he's quoting Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Let's say this together. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. He rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, and Jesus sits down. I love this part. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fastened to Jesus. And he says this. This is his response. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is incredible. This is good news, church. This is exciting news, church. This, Jesus is telling us, this is the year of Jubilee. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Messiah has come and he is bringing the kingdom of God. And he's quoting Isaiah. This is a passage, by the way, that everyone would have been familiar with. Everyone in that room. And it's a prophecy that everybody in that room, they were waiting for. They were anticipating. They were expecting. And now Jesus comes and he says, hey guys, guess what? The Spirit's on me. Hey everybody, listen up. The Spirit is on me. I am anointed. The Spirit is on me. I, hey, listen up, synagogue. I am anointed. I am here to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. I am here. The Spirit of the Lord is here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It is a year of jubilee. Set down. It is done. Today, it is fulfilled in your hearing. Your wait is over. Your wait is over. Your long-expected, anticipated Messiah, your deliverer, your savior, your king, he's come. Right? Jesus declares, I have the spirit of the Lord on me. I am anointed. The kingdom is coming. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Can we just worship Jesus for who he is? Church, this is amazing. Praise the Lord. And then you keep reading your Bible and what does Jesus do? And we, we've covered it the last several months, but Jesus proves it, right? He proves it. He starts establishing this kingdom with what? With power and authority. He appoints 12 disciples. It kind of reminds you of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he delegates to them his power and his authority. He and his disciples, it feels like they just start healing everybody, right? I mean, the lame people, they're walking. Those blind people, they're seeing. Demons fleeing. Things are happening. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And yet, John, where's John? He's in prison. John's in prison. You ever feel that way? Again, you're faithfully serving the Lord. And all these miracles are happening, right? All these supernatural things happening. Kingdoms, kingdom of God advancing. But it kind of feels like it's happening to everybody else. You ever sat in a church service? Again, don't raise your hands on this. You ever sat in a church service? People giving testimonies of the goodness of God, the greatness of God. And you're trying to celebrate. But you also know what you currently are walking through. 
can see this playing out in John. He's walking through something pretty difficult. And again, Jesus' answer isn't what I just talked about, but instead it's the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You know, it's almost like Jesus is letting John know, I see you, John. I know what you're going through. It's hard. It's difficult. But John, I'm the one. I'm the one, John. The kingdom that you were preparing a way for, John, it's coming. It's coming. And John, be encouraged. Hold fast. Endure. Persevere. Because blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, we don't know how John responded to Jesus' answer when his disciples relayed that message to John. But this morning, I want us all to understand that Jesus' answer to John's disciples, that is the best answer that John or any of us could receive. Even, by the way, if it's not the answer we wanted or the answer we expected. See, because Messiah coming to earth, King Jesus beginning to establish his kingdom, the kingdom of God, that's the best answer that John could have received that day. Because even though John was still stuck in prison, even though he would eventually, church, lose his life for the sake of Jesus, the fact that Messiah had come, the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, had come, would die, would rise again, Jesus and his kingdom would become the good news for John, for me, and for everyone else over the last 2,000 years who would believe in the name of Jesus. It is truly good news. That includes you and me today. The good news of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? I, I want to ex- thank you, by the way, Stephen, for interacting with me. Let, let's explain this a little bit further. Remember, who baptized Jesus? John, right? John. The Gospel of John. Now, there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. Let's keep this separated. Who, the Gospel of John is not John the Baptist. The Gospel of John is one of Jesus' disciples. But he writes about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist sees Jesus, and he declares this. Would you say it with me? John chapter 1, 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb. That's a crazy statement. Can you imagine just sitting there? You're in the water. You're talking about what you're going to have for lunch. You know, you're talking about what's going on in the Galilee area. And they're like, whoa, Behold. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's a drop the mic kind of moment, isn't it? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, how does the Lamb of God take away the sins of the world? Well, he dies, right? He has to be sacrificed. Uh, It has to be a shedding of blood. You give up your life. And because Jesus gave up his life and shed his blood as the perfect sacrifice, he took away our sin. He didn't just cover our sins, but he took them away. He took away John's sins. He took away my sins. And even to this day, there's so much hope in this room. There's so much joy in this room. Anyone in this moment, if you came in here today and you were just living in your sin, you were feeling just the heaviness, the weight of it all, you know that you're living far, far away from your creator, living it up while you're going down without Jesus. If in this moment you come to Jesus and you put your belief in Jesus, put your faith in Jesus as Lord, Messiah, King, 
Savior, all of your sins, they will not just be covered, they will be taken away. You will be a forgiven child of God, set free in the mighty name of Jesus, and you can walk with God forever and ever in perfection and holiness, all because of Jesus. That's how good Jesus is today. Praise the Lord. And that's why Jesus' answer to John's disciples, it was the best answer that John or anyone else could have received. Messiah has come. The King has come. Salvation has come to the people of God. Now in the natural, let's be honest, in our flesh, in that moment, if we're John, what do we want Jesus to do? We, We want him to get us out of prison. Absolutely. Like many of our prayers, and we still pray those prayers, exactly that, right? Get me out of here. Rescue me. Save me. Deliver me. I'm in prison, and I want to be out of prison. And sometimes, does God ever do that? Amen. Hallelujah. He does that all the time. Miracles happen. Chains fall off. The prison doors, they fling open. When you get that job that you desperately needed, when he provides that spouse that you longed for, all those different types of things. When he comes through with that supernatural provision, when you receive that healing that you just so desperately needed, often he comes in exactly like that. I don't know, we could spend hours just telling our story, telling our testimony of what God has done. But even if he doesn't, church, even if he doesn't, what he has done for us on that cross, what our beautiful, wonderful, powerful king has done for us on that cross it is more than enough for jesus always to be worthy of worship and praise to be worthy of our very lives see what jesus did for john and what jesus has done for me and for us it is more than enough for all of us to give him everything we have even our very lives back to him That's what's so beautiful about being a Christian. That even when we're suffering, even when we're hurting, even when we're going through situations that just feel like hell on earth, we know, we trust, we have confidence that because of Jesus and the kingdom of God that he brought with him to earth, because of Jesus, because of his death, his resurrection, because of Jesus, we have received good news. And no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation in Jesus, I am always walking through the year of Jubilee. I am always living in the year of the Lord's favor. And nothing is going to separate me from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. No pain, no trial, nothing, no foe, no enemy is going to stop me. No one is going to stop me. No one is going to stop you. No one is going to stop the advancement of God's kingdom. It didn't matter what Herod did to John. Did you notice in the early church, one of the dumb, if you wanted to, you know, snuff out Christianity, the worst thing you could do is kill a Christian because you killed a Christian and ten more would rise up. You can't snuff us out. You cannot stop us. The kingdom of God is advancing. Right? It didn't matter what Herod did to John. John was on the winning side. A fire, when Jesus came to earth, a fire was ignited that nobody is going to snuff out. So many of you have been praying for Pastor Tom and his amazing family. I'm so proud of you, church. My heart breaks for you because 
with his passing, and he, and he actually passed yesterday at 4.50 in the afternoon, in the evening. And, and I don't like seeing anybody go through heartache and pain. And, and my heart breaks for so many of you. As, as it just hurts, and, and there's grief, and there's sorrow. And I'm sorry that that happened. But I just want to share a couple of things with you, and I, I hope it encourages you today. Monday night, his wife, amazing wife Sarah, texted me. Texted my wife Mary and, and, and asked us to come over Monday night. So it was actually pretty late. I drove over there and it was wild. Tom was awake and he was in hospice care and most of the time was just sleeping. But there he is awake. Which, so that's pretty special for me to be there during that time. And so I walked in, into the door of his hospice room and, and, and the church, I just want you to hear this. The Lord gave me a gift that night and I don't think I will ever forget this gift. I, I walked into that room and I heard worship music playing. Now, that wasn't unusual. Every time I'd visit Tom, there was always worship music playing. But it was playing from a phone that he was holding with his own hands. And, and, and church, what I didn't realize as I walked in is that he was about to lead his wife and his sister Lisa in communion. And so this man who has tumors all over his body, this man whose organs are beginning to shut down, he hands me the body of Christ. He hands me the body of Christ, and he begins to lead me through communion. Then he gives us a cup, and we pass the cup around, representing the blood of Jesus. This man who in the natural was dying of cancer, in his spirit he was soaring with Christ. And he was declaring, he actually said these words. Again, just imagine the, the elements in his hand, the phone uh, with worship in the other hand, and he's holding them up and he said, Jesus, I believe you speak a better word over my life. He was declaring the greatness of God, the goodness of God over his life. It's, it was this incredible faith, incredible resilience, endurance, this courage, this bravery. He declares the goodness of of God, he celebrates communion, the body broken for us, the blood shed for us, that he was on the winning side, that he was a child of God, a citizen of God's kingdom, and that nothing, not even cancer itself, was going to separate him, ever separate him from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Tom was declaring, I'm on the winning side. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It was so powerful to me, church. I never forget that. What a gift. Even now, I'm trying to be calm. But that moment was so real. It still so fresh in my mind. Even as I left, I, I, was, I was driving my car. I just shook because I felt the life of Jesus flowing through my veins. See, church, it wasn't just a religious exercise. It wasn't just a ritual. And I, I'm not against religion. I'm not against rituals if they help point us to Jesus. But you just need to know it wasn't just some kind of routine. It was this man who was suffering, a man who was in pain, who could identify just a little bit, right, with John being stuck in prison. But he told the world that night, listen to my words, church, he told the world that night, he told the devil, he told all the evil spirits, he told the rulers of the air, he told them all, he shouted into the atmosphere that my victory is in Christ. Hallelujah. His victory was in Christ. The same victory that John had. It's the same victory that I have. It's the same victory that any of us have in the mighty name of Jesus. Before I left, I bent down. I just looked Tom in the eyes. And I love Tom. Tom's 
one of my best friends. I just looked him in the eye and I said, Tom, I just want you to know it's happening. All that we've worked so hard for, all that we dreamed about, it's all happening. Salvation is coming. Jesus is advancing. His kingdom is advancing. And my friend, who right now is dancing with Jesus, my friend, he just began to cry. Began to cry. And, you know, I even felt bad that I made him cry because that's not what I wanted to do. But at that moment, church, it's not a game. It's not just a little thing you do on a Sunday morning and check the box off and say, I did my Christian ritual routine. We're talking about real life. And Tom, he gave his life, right, for the cause of Jesus, for the advancement of his kingdom. And we get that, you know, Jesus, have you met Tom? I mean, he adored Jesus. Everyone kept on telling me every time I'd visit, they go, yeah, Tom's Jesus' favorite. Every time. I mean, they just, he and Jesus, like, they loved each other. But, you know, just like Jesus was able to tell John that the kingdom was advancing, I was able to tell Tom the same thing. And that's the truth. His kingdom, through his people, it is still revealing itself on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know it sometimes feels dark. I know, I get it. Sometimes it feels like evil is winning. But what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, what Jesus is doing today in 2020, it is still truly the good news. The light of the world. Remember that manger scene. The light of the world came to earth. Emmanuel, God with us, came to earth. The light of the world. And that light is still spreading. In fact, I believe it's spreading like never before all through the earth. The very last thing I told Tom Monday night was this. I said, Tom, I cannot unsee what I saw tonight. <laughs> I cannot unsee what I saw tonight. Tom, if you can be unwavering in your faith, then so can I. It's the last words I said. If you can be unwavering in your faith, then so can I. Church, I'm all in. How about you? You in? I, I think we are. I, I think that's what makes LifeSpring so special. That's why I love this place. This is a place of a people who are all in. I saw what you guys did over the holiday season. If there was everybody, anybody in, you are in. Thank you for being in. And yes, you're, man, you're walking through hard things. Just this week, if you're on the prayer team, you just know the heaviness of some of the things, the cancers you guys are facing, the illnesses you're facing, emergency situations you're facing, and yet there's so much faith in this room, so much love for God, so much love for others in this room. And that's why I love coming here, because when I see you, who do I see? I see Jesus. Praise the Lord. I see Jesus. Every year, you know, I, you, some people get tired of this, but every year, one, I, well, we're not going to go there, but every year I tell people, that this is going to be the best year ever. But do you know why I say that? Because I actually believe it. I actually believe that. With Jesus, it's always the best year ever. With Jesus, 
It is the year of the Lord's favor. It is the year of Jubilee. As I told my wife last week and as I told Pastor Wayne and Cindy, we actually got a picture. We visited Pastor Wayne and Cindy on Friday. But, but I told them, I said, you know, Pastor Wayne, this is not the time to play it safe. This is not the time to just go through the motions. This is the time to listen to God's voice. It is time for you to be strong and courageous, for you to be brave, for you to take risks that he is asking you to take, for you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And whether we live to 20, 30, 40, 100, no matter how this life turns out, we're going to move forward in confidence that we have the true hope, life, and eternal joy in Christ. And we don't have to wait. And if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, I want you to hear what I'm saying. You don't have to wait until you're gone to experience abundance and eternal life with the Lord. I want to say that again. You don't have to wait until you're gone from this earth to experience the true abundance and eternal life with the Lord. The abundant life that he offers, it is available today. You can live that life today. Today is the day what that the Lord has made. Today I'm going to rejoice. Today I'm going to be glad because right now, This is who I am, and no one's taking this away from me. I'm a child of God. We are children of God. Would you just declare this to the atmosphere around you? Say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Right now, church, we are raised up. If you could visually see this with your mind's eye, we are raised up. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right now, we are heirs with Christ, anointed, forgiven, and set free. Right now, we are walking in eternal life with Jesus, and we are on the winning side. Here's the best part, and I want to close with this. One day, Jesus is coming back. I want to say that again, because sometimes I mumble. One day, Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. One day, Jesus is coming back. And though we have seen glimpses of his kingdom for the past 2,000 years, one day, one day, he will reign in his kingdom like the world has never seen before. And for people like John, And people like Tom and people, just millions of others who have put their faith and hope in Jesus. In his kingdom, in the consummation of his kingdom, all will be made right. All will be made right. I know some of you are struggling today. I mean, some of you are walking through difficult situations. Again, as your pastor, my heart is breaking for you. There's things that are full of anxiety. Many of you are anxious, you're worried, or you're fearful, and I'm sorry. I'm so, my heart breaks for you. I wish you weren't walking through that. But we actually did the Bible in a year. We made it, all 365. And what's cool about that is, you know what book you read at the end of the year? Revelation. We know how the story's going to end. Come on. We know how the story is going to end, and we know that we are on the winning side. That, by the way, that's not just a motivational slogan. That's the truth. That's the truth. I, I want to read a few passages. I'm going to ask Tyler to come forward. I, I just have a hunch. Many of us need to hear these scriptures this morning. My prayer is that as you hear the Bible read out loud, that faith would rise up in this place. Not just a Mickey Mouse Disneyland, I'm going to try to smile kind of faith, but a real foundational faith would rise up in this place. A faith that says, I believe in Jesus. 
as my king, Jesus as the Messiah. I believe in Jesus as the one who brought his kingdom with him, the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago, and it's Jesus who's going to come again and consummate it, and he's going to finish what he started. You might want to write that down in your notes. Jesus is faithful, and he's going to finish what he started. And because of the good news, we can say with complete confidence, this is going to be the best year ever. Let's listen to the word of God. Praise the Lord. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Chapter 21, verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Chapter 22, verses 12 and 13. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you say that with me, church? The Lord declares, yes, I am coming soon. Church, amen. Come, Lord Jesus this time I want to invite the worship team to come back up and if the ushers could begin to pass out the elements. We're going to receive communion today. Ushers, go ahead and pass out the elements. Would you hold on 
to these elements. We're going to receive them together. So as it comes around, just hold it in your hand. As we receive communion today, may it not just be a routine or just a ritual, but may it be a fresh declaration, a freshness, a vitality to receiving communion. Would it be a statement to the world around us, into the atmosphere? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we believe in Jesus. As for me and my house, we believe in the power of his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. We believe he is the beautiful, wonderful, powerful king who is coming back to finish what he started. He's going to reign forever and ever. I believe in who you say you are, Jesus. I believe that you're going to do what you said you're going to do and that in your kingdom there is no end. There's never an end in your kingdom, Lord. That's what we believe. That's what you believe today. That's what you believe as you take communion. You believe. You hold it out. And you tell to the world, I believe Jesus speaks a better word over my life. Hallelujah. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. And Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Amen.